Good day, folks. This is Brad with Peaks Podcast. Episode 30, Big 3-0, down here in Antarctica. Wow, so much to review today. Holy cow. So today is the day after summit. I frankly have uh, quite a rough night sleeping. But before we get into the details, just a quick shout out to everybody who's been following our journey and listening. Thank you for listening to Peaks Podcast, live from down here in Antarctica. Our expedition seasons two is Vinson, the highest peak. If you haven't listened to previous episodes, you might want to catch up because this expedition has been surreal. Once again, it's day 14 of Season 2 Expedition, Vincent. And we are hunkered in here at uh, High Camp. High Camp, there are only two groups left on the whole mountain. And up at High Camp, that is. And we are one of them. Uh, It's kind of a crazy feeling to know that, you know, there are only three... Eight clients up here in the highest point in Antarctica. And then there's a couple of ALE. There are four staff. I think, yeah, four staff up here. They're just waiting for us late summiters to get the heck out of here so they can pull the protection and close up camp. So we are the last, the fifth wave, the last... We heard rumor there might be one South Polar that's going to come up here on a special uh, uh, VIP pass, but that's not for sure. So we're the last planned group. And so we're a little... The sun doesn't really get warm here until 10 a.m. So we're kind of taking our time this morning, getting ready. Of course, it's 25 below zero, and there was a good wind all night. I did not sleep well. I was so excited about our summit yesterday. If you didn't listen to yesterday's episode, and go back and listen to that one, because that was some kind of a day. Little did I know what was in store for us today. So today the plan is break camp and make a big move. We will not only go all the way down the fixed lines... But we will pass Camp 1 and head all the way to base. So basically covering two days' territory in one day. So we pack up. And our packs, I mean, my pack's heavy. You know, all we have, we have the same stuff we came up with except for food that we've eaten. But of course, remember, we got to take down all of our waste, human waste. That's our poo. And the poo bag has gotten pretty heavy. So there's no way I wonder, you know, it's so cold. Obviously, it freezes instantly. But I chose to put mine on the uh, inside of my sleeping pad, which it's tethered to the outside of my pack, just in case, you know, your body gets quite hot when you're hiking. And I didn't want a thermal warming to... Loosen that thing up because, man, that would be one holy mess. 
So we pack all up. You know, it's cold. You know, you're after the summit, you know, a big exciting day. The thought of what we have ahead of us is daunting, to say the least. As we discussed previously, the 30-70 rule, 70% of the problems happen on the way down. So you got to put on, you got to be super extra cautious. And believe me, I have a tendency to be more wary of downhill than in most. I do not like the downhill stretch. It's hard on the joints. You have to pay attention to every step. It's absolutely critical. So we start out, we're making good time. Okay, we tie in, you know, as usual, standard procedure. We tie in, uh, I'm running the rear, bringing up the train. And so I <clears throat> am literally the last one to leave camp. We are the other group left before us, and of course we catch them eventually, but uh, the um, literally the last man, the last client in this season to leave Vincent. It's kind of a, a crazy feeling thinking, you know, there's only four ALE certified guides behind me. And that's it. No one else the rest of the season until next fall or next winter, 2020. Probably December they'll get fired back up. So we hike down the traverse <clears throat> and we get to the fixed line. The fixed line, as you remember from previous episodes, is three quarters of a mile three quarters of a mile of downhill steep 45 to 50 degree a descent i quickly realized so you hook onto a rope with two carabiners then you do what's called a rope belay arm belay and you wrap the rope around your left arm and you hold the rope with a right hand as if you're running a uh, if any of you guys are old enough to remember rope toes kind of like how you used to ride a rope toe up the mountain so you get in this position and then you walk down this steep decline I immediately overheat it's much more work than you think going downhill for me, is more difficult because you got to concentrate. One slip, and you are going to go for the ride of your life down to the next point of protection. Now, they have it set up, so it could be 100 feet or 500 feet. <laughs> more likely 500 feet free fall until you hit the anchor, at which point you're going to be ripped. Your harness is just going to bear all the weight of the fall, and... Uh, it's not going to be pretty, and furthermore, you're going to, if you don't kill yourself, you're going to look like a complete idiot, because right behind me, guess what? The four ALE professional guides. <laughs> so, I feel like I'm under the complete scrutiny. You know, I got these pros behind me. I'm the last client off the mountain. I'm sweating up a storm. So, when you sweat, 
you know, you're it's kind of precarious. You're on the steep slope. You can't just uh, peel a layer off. You can unzip. So what I do is unzip all my layers, and but you're still sweating. So I put my buff, which is the cloth that covers your face, move that to a headband position to stop the sweat from dripping into my glasses. Then... I quickly move my glasses to the end of my nose so it's further away from my body because they're fogging up. Now, the sensation with glasses fogging up, you're sweating. It's like truly almost a panic attack. I mean, you, it, it's not comfortable at all. Matter of fact, my legs start getting a little uh, shaky and I'm like seriously slowing down. Thank God I'm in the back of the line. So those guys are moving quicker in front of me. And I just take my time and uh, mosey on down the top. Finally, <clears throat> I get some semblance of uh, of gait and uh, cool it down a little bit. Clear my goggles with my finger every five minutes probably. So you take your finger and wipe the inside of the goggle. So, uh, my glasses so that you can actually see because there's nothing worse than not being able to see going down the steep terrain i mean one missed footstep and you're just you're on a, a free fall so we proceed down and uh i got my two teammates ahead of me and of course uh jacob and he was kind enough to pay attention to uh, my slow pace. He's very sensitive to uh, complications en route. And I was definitely going slower than uh, usual. But he knows I always take a downslope much slower than anybody on the team. It's, uh, it's definitely my weakness. But if you take it slow, you just can plow through it. And uh, you just got to take your time with it. So we get about halfway and uh, taking breaks at each anchor, you know, locking in, taking some deep breaths, then clipping into the other section and then proceeding down that section. So it's a very, it's a very laborious uh, exercise. One that, you know, you just got to be patient. And for me, honestly, the most difficult part of the whole climb was just that portion of uh, concentrating to that degree in having uh, the, the clientele behind me <laughs> with the professionals. It was something that was a little uh, uh, quirky, to say the least. So we may get off the fixed line, and, and oh, I'm so relieved, you know, to get some water because you can't take, drink any water on the way down. It's just too crazy to to gamble. So we rehydrate, and I must have lost uh, a couple pounds in sweat going down this monster. One f funny thing is we get down to the bottom, and one of the ALE guys, really one of the top climbers on the whole mountain, is friends with our guide, of course, and he uh, he looks over, he goes, well, that's the toughest part of the mountain. You guys did a pretty good job, and I'm looking at him like, oh my gosh, it uh, it definitely challenged me. So that made me feel a little bit better, his off-the-cuff comment. 
<clears throat> and uh, so there's only about a 15 minute down climb or traverse I should say not even a climb we rope in and we head over to camp one for five episodes ago we were at camp one it seems like a week a month ago we were there and uh we left a cache so we go down there and this is where we reorganize our gear we redistribute weight you know we take we have our duffels in the cache so we take stuff out of our heavy packs put them in the cache in uh in the duffel from the cache and then load the sleds the sleds have to be balanced out and uh, tied up so that uh, nothing can shake loose on the, the the wild ride down. We get everything tied up, and we actually pass the first group um, that we were behind to begin with. So now we're one of two groups in the lead heading down towards base camp. So now we've been hiking for several hours, climbing for several hours. There's no hike. And we <clears throat> get to the sled section. The sled section can be a, a devil because these sleds are loaded. You got a backpack on. You're on a rope. And these sleds are going and they'll catch you from behind if you're not paying attention. They'll come pulling out to the side. And, you know, you're pretty exhausted. I mean, we've had two just monster days. And, uh, you know, I'm pretty spent, but uh, we plow through it. I And I get a sense that I'm not as tired as uh, some of the others. Uh, so we proceed, and it takes only two hours from camp, low camp, to base camp. That took six hours previously. So we really hustled, and uh, they ski at one hour. We de climb descended in two hours, and at times I was just skidding along the sled in front of me. Uh, Daniels was sliding and pulling me, so I'd be like almost kite surfing on my uh, boots, sliding down the slope. It's no wonder I didn't end up on my keister a couple of times. Probably one of the sketchiest parts for me because, you know, you just, you gotta be flexible and go with the flow or you're gonna get nailed. Thank God with, you know, skiing skills kind of helped because you're basically skiing down in your boots and just trying to keep upright. Um, but then... After hours and hours since high camp, base camp comes into view. And it just gave a feeling of relief. Oh yeah, one small detail. Actually, big detail. When we were at high camp, we had a radio transmission saying they want everybody off the mountain because of an incoming storm. So get down here and we'll fly out on the otters uh, immediately. Well, when we got down and looking at base camp, it's uh, around 5 p.m. And it's socked in. It's snowing. It's breezy. And nothing's flying. So it's kind of discouraging. But in a way, it was kind of exciting. 
we are snowed in in Antarctica. And then this is for real, snowed in. No way out. <laughs> There's one guy on the other crew who's deathly ill. I mean, he could die here and there's nothing anybody could do because nobody can get to us. It's kind of an odd feeling being in the end of the earth, the South Pole, Antarctica, and we are snowed in. No form of transportation can get to us right now. Well, we are greeted by an ALE fellow with a bottle of champagne and four glasses. <laughs> These guys don't leave, uh, you know, like anything to chance. This guy comes out of nowhere, pops out and says, congratulations. Of course, he, again, is a friend of Jacob's from Talkeetna. You'll remember season one. That's where we flew Talkeetna Air up to Denali. And uh, so we joke with him and... Uh, uh, we do not open our champagne immediately because we still have to pitch tents. We're absolutely shot. I'm I'm tired. I haven't eaten since breakfast, which was oatmeal, which was 12 hours ago. I'm dehydrated and, you know, trying to help the team, but we're all exhausted. So Jacob goes and starts, you know, prepping, getting some water because we've only had two liters all day and it should have been more like six to hydrate properly. So he starts getting water ready, which is, you know, an hour process, plus, plus, plus. And uh, <clears throat> the boys and I set up the tents. You know, I'm really lucky we got a good team. You know, you just don't know what you're going to get up here. And, man, if we had some weak links, uh, we'd be totally totally screwed but we ended up with uh, a real strong team and uh god it's such a blessing because if somebody got hurt up here you're you're in trouble you know your your mission's dead so <clears throat> back to uh setting up we get our tent set up you know throw the bags out and then we go into our big dome Mountain Hardware Dome, the biggest tent in camp. And as you probably recall, if you listened previously, it's a monster. 18 feet across. It could sit 20 people easy. And we have our four. And it feels like such a lap of luxury. It's awesome. We get in there, <clears throat> cook up some hot tea. And... Uh, the English lad from the other group, really fine gentleman, is, is deathly ill. So we invite him into ours while uh, they set up his gear. I mean, he is really bad. Um, he is sitting in the tent with us and all of a sudden passes out, spills his tea all over the chairs. and uh, But then he comes back to immediate, you know, very quickly. So that was good. Um, but I mean, uh, this isn't a place to have a, you know, a, a life or death illness. And he really does not look good. He's got like this gray purple look in his face. And we try to encourage him to eat some crackers. Of course, we're cooking up French fries and hamburgers. 
uh, our first uh, non-dehydrated meal for quite some time. I mean, it feels like, you know, this is January 18th, the 14th day of our expedition. And it feels like we've been gone for months. I mean, this hamburger that's in front of me, I, I, I'm just devoured. I went on to number two so quickly, I didn't even think about it. I was like starving. I haven't been hungry like this since Denali. I mean, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it was burnt. I don't care anything. All I want to do is get food into my body as quickly as possible. Very uh, important to get uh, rehydrated, number one, and then get food into the uh, the body. You know, just get some nutrition. You know, you're just feeding off your fat, which is okay for me. <laughs> I come back a little leaner, one hurt. I came into this trip, I put on intentionally eight pounds and I, I really had to work at it. And I'm sure those babies are shed right off. Um, so anyhow, this burger and fries in front of me, I can just smell them cooking. I'm, it's killing me. I have a hot tea in one hand and then that cheeseburger. Oh, heaven on earth. You know, you realize out here, all the mumbo jumbo back in civilization where people will complain, you need to really appreciate what you have because out here, it makes you appreciate everything. The water in my hand took an hour and a half to produce by melting snow. Next time you turn on the faucet, think about that. And the next time you're eating and order at a restaurant, it took our guide an hour to produce this meal and very oh, much more actually because you got to thaw the meat then you got to cook it and then you got to take care of this whole thing anyhow please appreciate what y'all have because it is a blessing that what you got uh, what we got back home and man it makes that is one of the better things about being out here. I think it's why I like to push myself out here because it puts my my life back home into perspective and the the anything can happen to me back home and it beats my best day out here. I mean, this is it's man against nature in its true form. And I really love it, and I hope you're enjoying listening to this because it's uh, it's fun. And by the way, we're back off the poop bag. We got a, a sit-down toilet, and uh, that's also a convenience I look forward to using. But right now I'm too tired. I'm just sitting here in the, uh, the big old dome and uh, enjoying. <clears throat> so this is our first day after summit. It's snowing. It's breezy. And we're told that uh, the probability is we might be here for a while. Apparently, the storm is uh, bigger than they expected. And uh, so we're snowed in, folks, here in Antarctica. It's a surreal feeling. <laughs> it's dumping. And uh, we don't know when we're going to get out of here. 
So anyhow, maybe I'll get a bunch of uh, episodes from uh, Vincent Base Camp instead of Union Glacier or Punta Arenas. We'll see what happens. There's no telling up here at uh, Base Camp Vincent. Anyhow, this is episode 30, Peaks Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed uh, this uh live broadcast from Vincent. And if you enjoy Peaks Podcast, please tell your friends and families about it. Share it. Send us, uh, you subscribe to it. That would be fun. More subscribers, the better. I just, uh, my whole goal is um, to educate people and give them a little insight in what it's like to be on a big mountain and uh, the seven summits this is summit five in the quest for the seven summits episode 30 season two this is peaks podcast have a great day